it's weird when your company gets to a certain stage of growth, people just reach out and they're like, hey, mm-hmm. we think your revenue might be this. And if it is, we are interested in talking or they might send you just like a letter of intent. Hey, we plan on buying you for this amount mm-hmm. of money based on these things. And to me, that was like, it showed me this whole new world of how the yeah. how companies flow from like being created. And then I talked to a lot of people that they got their company to around like 5 million in revenue. And half of the people I had talked to had... Uh, sold around there and the other half had raised money to take it to 20 or 50 million dollars whatever it was yep and what i learned from talking to these people is almost all the people that raised another round of capital and got their company to a much larger number in revenue kind of regretted it because you take so all that extra time all that extra stress all that extra everything but you're get diluted and so when you finally exit it's like not that big of a difference where if you would have just exited at 5 million yeah. when it was smaller. Man, there's so many strings attached to to raising money, um, especially when you get to the exit point. I remember getting on the phone with, um, essentially he was a board member, but our, our CFO um, at the time, but he was he was from the, the like our main investor, right? Wonderful guy. Love this guy. Super generous. Um, insane amount of experience worked for a number of you know amazingly cool vcs and everything but just starting to add up the numbers of basically how this deal was going to go down and he was like sorry this sucks (laughs) you know like yeah this this is uh it's kind of a bummer you know but it's it's when when you're in the state of mind when you're raising money you're thinking you're, you're in such an optimistic frame you know like oh my gosh yeah of course like we're all going to be so crazy rich when this thing goes, you know, that, um, what does it matter what these terms are? Who gets cashed out first or, you know, like liquidation preferences or anything like that. And, um, you know, I think as entrepreneurs, a lot of us, we, we aren't finance people, you know, we, we like products, we like ideas, we, we, we like trying to build things. Um, and we're naturally optimistic. And, um, and I think that's where, you know, you really want to think through, it can be very expensive money. Right when when you're taking it, uh, as it, it might not do what you hope. So I raised venture capital, um, and when I did it, I thought it was so interesting. I'm like, they care. They're negotiating these items. Like, why do they care sure. about this? It makes yeah. no sense. Like, there's nothing there yet. Now, later, several years later, I think it's been four years since I did that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I totally get it now. Like what mm-hmm. you said, with like how they liquidation preferences and all of that, and different yeah. rights and controls and things like that. So I, I yeah. completely understand it now, but there is that phase of like, when you're first doing it, the thought, some of the thoughts that were running through my head when they were, you know, my lawyer or something, you need to think about these, you need to decide on mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, look, that person's gonna, like, if, if they make this investment, that's going to give us like a shot of a lifetime. And yep. that experience is so important and it's so important that we get it right. And it's so important that we end up making money. Even if I build this company, sell it, barely make anything, I have that entire experience of raising venture capital, building something with partners. You did. Previous to that, I had only had <clears throat> like CTO product experience. So this time I was the CEO. So I got to learn right. how to build sales teams and all of this stuff. So yeah. I saw it partly as like they paid for my education, but we did return them like we're profitable and they're going to yeah. be very happy when we do sell. You know, there's a, there's a world in where, you know, you really want to think about the kind of, it, it's not even so much like, oh, venture capital is bad or investors are evil people or, or anything like that. Because 
my experience with investors is they want you to succeed. I've never oh, yeah. met an investor that I thought, uh, oh gosh, you know, this guy was was truly evil or, or something like that. But there's there's also you really want to think about the kind of business they're trying to make you and the kind of business that you want to build. I think those are the things that I didn't necessarily consider, and that's more of a a soul searching kind of thing. I think that that needs to it's almost a philo- philosophical you know exercise that that you should do, and in the kind of a conviction I think you should have before you you go on to raise money because you're you're telling them this is the this is what like in five years this is what success uh, the kind of success i'm going for right you're you're basically you're selling them a portion of that success as is kind of the way i would say and if your ambition is to build a large growing scaling company that's on the train of like hey we're raising subsequent rounds we're going to have liquidity events along the way and um you know this valuation is going to look like this and you know we're either going to get bought up or IPO. For example, my co-founder at Riskalyze, um, a guy named Aaron Klein, is is someone who like I met Aaron when he was like in between jobs, and uh, we were like renting like somewhat a friend's office, kind of you know subletting office space together, and he acted like he was like the CEO of a you know multi million dollar company. He just carried himself that way. He was like so professional. He was like this dauntless ball of energy, right? So, so Aaron, who now you know, lo and behold, became the CEO of a million, you know, a million dollar company that is hugely successful and, and impacting. Like that was what he was going for, right? He was gonna, he was gonna get there. Um, and so, for for someone like that, um, it you know, it makes a ton of sense to take investment because you're going to be. You're going to be creating. You're going to be creating a scaling operation um, that builds and builds and grows and grows, and um, you know it. It makes sense that to take investment along the way if if you can use that capital well. Not necessarily, but you know if you can use that capital well, it does. It makes sense. But I think for me, kind of the the lesson I took away from Dropler is where we ended up was like, man, I love this company. This is a really this is a product that has uh, customers that use it a ton. Um, I enjoy working on it. You know, we're making, you know, uh, enough to pay the team. We're we're profitable if, we, if we're careful, right? And I and I was like really happy there. You know, of like I like would adding a hundred people to the to the mix here. If we ten x our revenue, like would that be a better company to work at? Would our customers be happier at that point? And for me, I couldn't see it. Right, I couldn't see like for me it was like, hey, we need to do less. We need to focus on who we have. We need to like lean into these customers and and serve them as best we can. But it wasn't an option, right? Because it needed to be that when the rocket's halfway into the atmosphere or on the pad, like, oh, well, maybe I wanted to drive a car to work. You know, was kind of <laughs> the thing that you realize. So I think that is where, for me, walking away from Dropler, going, okay, you know, I've seen the playbook. I've seen what you can do. Um, for getting a business to a certain size and how that feels. And I'd like to do that again, but I need to make sure that like, <laughs> that I'm careful as I build that, you know, that, that I'm, 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 I'm building a business that's not meant to scale as, as ironic as that sounds. If you know, Steve Blank, he's kind of a entrepreneurship guru. He's very into kind of certain models. Um, all I know is he was, uh, you know, a, he came to speak, came to our office when we were at, at Dropler and, you know, kind of got to meet him and stuff. But I remember he, 
basically the person he described that investors are looking for um, is is someone who you know the only way I can describe it um, is has almost a, a deranged dependence on the success of their business where they they are unhealthily invested in the outcome of that business and that was me for sure yeah <laughs> and it's yeah. so hard when you're when you're doing something like that right i i remember you know i, I remember the you know when we were in dropler um you know there were there was like you know a couple winners where we're like we literally couldn't turn on the heater in the winter and it was cold so like you come out in the house to be like 50 degrees because like energy is so expensive in California. And he was just like, we only would turn on real quick before you go to bed, you know, that sort of stuff. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, this is silly. Um, but, you know, I mean, that's that's one sacrifice to make. I think even the the further step that that is a little bit uh, that I would love to see change in the tech industry in general is, is the fact that, you know, um, who are you working for, I think is a really important question to ask, right? You hear these big mission-driven companies, right? You know, this is a very popular thing. What's your mission? Oh, we're, we're, we're revolutionizing this. We're making, I mean, Silicon Valley parodied it, right? We're like, we're making the world a better place through fault tolerant acid transactions for databases, you know, that sort right. of thing. But it's always like, how are we like, we're on this mission to do this, you know? And I, and I step back and I go like, you know what? Like I'm on the mission to make my world. A better place. And that doesn't mean like Levi needs a boat, you know, he wants to spend time on the lake, you know, and he wants to drive a Tesla, that sort of thing. It's like I have kids, you know. I have a I have a wife who depends on me. That you know, I promised my life to. You know, like I have kids who like if I literally don't provide for them, they you know who knows what will happen. They are so dependent on me, right? That whole process like centers you as a person. It, it helps you to kind of navigate these situations where you are you know you're trying to operate with an ethical framework. You're trying to find you know find success. But it also means like at the end of the day, these are the people who have a claim on my soul, <laughs> more or less, right? They have a claim on my heart and my passions. Like I loved Droplery. It was a great, it was a great business. I thought we made cool software, but I wasn't, I, I would never say I'm passionate about file upload. You know, I'm extremely <laughs> passionate about this. Like, and I hear people say that kind of stuff and they go like, really? That's what you're passionate about? I feel like about? the like, line. <laughs> they are. It's 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 you know it's marketing speak. But I go like you know I'm passionate about these people here. Like I want to like I'm I'm working to make their world better. That's what I'm doing at the end of the day. There's a certain sacrifices we make as a family. We're gonna maybe not go out to eat. We're gonna not do certain things. But at the end of the day, like I'm doing this for them, and this is a choice we make together. Um, as opposed to someone who like has no one depending on them and ends up kind of being where they're their business truly does have their heart and, and, and kind of their, their, you know, all of their attention, their passion. Yeah. Their yeah. passion, right? This is something, and you see this, I remember when I visited Facebook recently, the campus, I don't know if you've ever been out there, but it's, it's kind of the same story of every big, you know, fang company. You go like, you walk in here and you go, this is amazing for one thing. Like, holy cow. Like they have like these super nice restaurants that you can eat for free. Like there's like these insanely cool offices and it's, it's really stunning. But I think the the thing that you realize is like, it's very hard. To, like they're making a place that it's very hard to leave. They are one step away from putting bedrooms here. You know, well, they're doing it now. They're not oh, a step are they? away. They have <laughs> yeah, done it. It's there. They're doing it right yeah. now. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. And so, and I know in, in like, you know, this was something that was going on in China at Foxconn, right? Where you literally lived in the factory. 
you know, your oh, kids went to Indiana? school in the factory. Like you'll live at yeah. Samsung, you'll work. It's like, yeah. it's the old company store from like the 1930s, right? Yeah. Yeah. And to me, it's like, you know, it's very hard to to make good. And if you look at the impact that tech, and I'm not a tech, you know, doer, I, I you know, I think think tech is a tool. But if you look at the in, the, the negative things that have happened with tech, I'd say over um, kind of the, the negative impact that a lot of these huge companies have had on just the the health and well-being of you know our society in general um it's it, it we need more people i think that are working not to make the world a better place but to make their world a better place as is kind of the way i'd say it right because it's very easy to say oh i'm i'm uh you know i'm working for this really vague goal uh, where i'm about bringing people together right but if you look at my life i have no connections you know i I don't have anyone I'm brought together with outside of the context of this this mission, and so that's that's I think a a thing that you know makes me really want to you know whatever I'm building you know morning metrics working on this problem I, I want to exist as as and I want to see more people doing this of building businesses that uh, that are just businesses at the end of the day you know that are uh, they it's have okay a customer to be a business yeah. <laughs> right? right yeah. Yeah, this this is not a this is not um you're you're not on a mission, you're not converting the unconverted. You're you know, you're you're trying to make a living with with your family, you're trying to make your customers happy and uh I kind of like that idea. It's it's like this is small business, you know? This is like this is what used to be the lifeblood of like the economic engine of our society. Um and it's okay it, it can be very rewarding and it's fun to participate in. A lot of people trying to make the whole world a better place but you said something about like making your world a better place like you having better mental health you having a more stable environment for family and your relationships and the role you play in your local community which a lot of these people aren't playing any role in their local community which is something i didn't do for a long time um and then my life got a lot better when i started it but when you have your world better if everybody were to do that the the Mm -hmm. The result would be a better world if everybody made yeah. their own world better, and had you know these things in place uh, and a quality of life for themselves. And you know what the lack is? The fuel for that is discipline. That's what the, yeah. that's what lacks. That's if you can get discipline, you can get whatever you want. And there's a there's a very corny saying that I think I saw on a, a a magnet or something like that in a refrigerator once. But um, it, it, you know, I'm, I'm gonna butcher it. But it was like to the world you may not be much, but to some people you're their whole world right? Yeah. To a very few people like you, you, yeah, you are the, their world. They depend on you for everything. And that's actually a really healthy centering thing um, for all of us. If you have to choose between working on Facebook's mission or whatever, if you have to choose on working for some massive company's mission versus, you know, working on making your world better, Choose that one. Choose the thing that, you know, you can actually change. Like pick a few people, you know, whatever that is, you know, you know, participate in your community, you know, uh, get married, do do whatever. And I think for me, like, you know, as I look back on, you know, kind of my experience going through this stuff is, and this is where I get aspirational, but like for me, if Morning's successful, it'll mean that it was a positive impact on like at the end of the day that, you know, that maybe, hey, like we could hire people, local people. And they could get a better job than they could normally get. And who knows if we had some kind of exit, maybe they could, you know, they could be doing great. And I saw that with Riskalyze, right? That the impact that Riskalyze had on small town Auburn, California was really positive. 
employed people, gave them their first kind of job. And uh, yeah, that was awesome. You know, if that's something that that I could do, you know, maybe, you know, that feels very to me. It doesn't have to change the world, but if it could change the Maryville, Tennessee, that'd be great. That's achievable, actually. That's not as hard as changing the world. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I mean, yeah. we moved to this part of Tennessee and I saw like from where I was in Florida to where to this part of Tennessee, the average income is vastly different. And I was like, yeah. this is actually kind of cool because now when I'm spending money in this town, it, it means mm-hmm. so much more than when I was spending money back at home yeah. when I was like, you know, fairly insignificant because it was where all the old wealthy retired people lived. Right. Uh, right. And now like, you know, the lawn service guys, like, you know, all the little things that I do and the services mm-hmm. that I consume pour money into this local economy. And yeah. It, it's kind of cool. Moving out here, there was a really interesting experience. I think that, um, or at least I had not, it's not a unique experience, certainly, but we drove out from California when you're moving out here. But one of the things that was just so interesting is like how every place you'd go, there was like a Starbucks, right? So it was like, you could never leave in a certain sense where everywhere you went, you could still get your latte. You could still sit in like a mid-century modern, vaguely hip um, room where the menu was always the same. That's that's not what I want my, you know, what I want things to look like, right? Because it's like this very like, uh, I don't know if you've seen the world or heard the phrase Starbucking, right? But it's like uh, everything is getting this homogenized. Everyone's buying from Amazon now. Where's, you know, all the money's flowing out of the communities into these, you know, big, bigger corporations. And to me, I would much rather see more entrepreneurs building smaller businesses that flowed into their communities that were, you know, yeah, maybe, maybe the, you know, not every coffee shop can be as good as Starbucks, I guess. I don't know, but it, it certainly can be unique, right? And it certainly can benefit the local community much more than Starbucks ever can. 